located in the middle of the Bible, um, and the psalm that we're reading from today is um, by King David. Um, and this is also a reminder for the kids, if you have Bibles, open up to the middle of the Bible, ask mum and dad to help you with find number 22. Um, and also for the kids in the service this morning, we have kids activity packs. So if you haven't picked one up yet, um, there's um, some on the back table and the host team can come around um, and give you a kids activity pack. So Psalm chapter 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, by night and, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried out to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open, their mouths wider against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Israel, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of afflicted ones. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will, uh, will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They will seek the Lord with they will seek the Lord will praise him. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the earths of the all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. 
They will proclaim his righteousness to people yet unborn, for he has done it. I'm just going to pray before Gillis comes and sings the word in the song. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, um, we thank you that you are a God who is in control of all things. Um, and we thank you that you see us in our times of trouble. Um, we just pray that you'll soften our minds and our hearts and help us to be open um, to hearing what you have to teach us and transform us in the likeness of Jesus as we learn more about you for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, morning, everyone. In case we haven't met, my name's Willis. A little bit about my family background. I'm Taiwanese on my father's side and Vietnamese uh, on my mother's. Uh, I always found my family's stories to be rather fascinating, uh, stories of when they were back home, uh, stories about uh, the differences in culture, what the people were like, and all the experiences that they went through. I've asked mum and her side of the family countless times what it was like when they fled uh, from their home during the Vietnamese War. Uh, my mum's the second eldest of her uh, five other siblings, and even then, she was only 15 at the time she fled. My mum was just a kid. Uh, all of my aunts and uncles told me pretty much the same thing. I thought we were going to die. There's a lot to the, sto to the story, and all of it actually seems really bleak. Uh, they told me that the pirates only wanted the women and the children. They killed all the men. They floated around aimlessly on the ocean, unsure if they'd ever reach land. And that sleeping on such a small boat was difficult when they were jam-packed like sardines in a can. The stories that my mom's side of the family tell me always, always leave me really unsure of what to say. What a frightening experience. I've always wondered what I would have done if I was on the boat. What would you have thought if you were in that situation? When we go through something that, fright, that scares and frightens us, we're going to experience uh, torment, anguish, fear, a sense of doom. And even as Christians, we might be led to believe that God is really far from us. We might look at things going on around us and feel like God has abandoned us. Today in our psalm, what I hope to show is that we can be relieved that God and Jesus understand our suffering. But not only is our eternal security safe and guaranteed because of Jesus' work on the cross, but it also allows us to continue worshipping God despite our hardships. Now, before uh, we go through this psalm, I thought it might be helpful to explain how we ought to think about this collection of books. Uh, next slide, please.
Next. See, Psalms give us words for what we experience, our emotions, grief, anguish, loneliness, fear, joy, delight. When we talk about those experiences in our life, what does that look like? Psalms encourage us to mention everything we go through to God, to give us the language to use. They give us a way to express our indescribable joy from life and also share our deepest concerns to God. That's certainly true of today's psalm from King David. And so, uh, because we have this short sermon series um, about having a, uh, a call to worship, the team here at CPE wants to ask, where are our heart levels? Where are our emotions? What are our affections to God like? Especially for today and next week's sermon, where we talk about fear and anguish, it's because we live in a broken world, we need to think about our relationship with God when things go sideways, when you get thrown a curveball, when everything goes belly up. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so keep your Bibles open at Psalm 22, because I'll be jumping around a little, starting off in verse 1. All right, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you, why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Not off to a good start, right? God feels really far to David, and because of this, David feels anguish. Like David, we will suffer and feel great anguish when it feels like God is really far from us, when he's absent, when he's away, and that he doesn't care about what he, what's happening to us. Now, we don't exactly know what's happening to David here, but we know that there's something tormenting him, and he needs God right now. But it just feels like God is nowhere to be found. And David's struggles are so bad right now that he feels like he's less than human. Verses 6 to 8. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Sometimes our problems make us feel like we're less than human, like how David felt. He said, I am a worm. It's like his sense of dignity is gone when it seems that God is absent and people rejected him. Have you ever felt unvaluable as a person? And maybe you might get this, this little voice inside of you saying, uh, that says the same thing that the people said to David. That if David truly trusted God, he wouldn't be suffering. But the truth is that life is just messy. The amount of faith you have doesn't really affect whether you encounter problems. Think about who we're talking about here. King David, 
a man after God's own heart. And yet we still see what he goes through. And the more we understand, the bigger picture we get and the worse it gets. Verses 12 to 15. Uh, Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. So he's surrounded by strong enemies, and he can't function properly as a human anymore, which is why he describes his feeling like water and wax. It's like he feels this lack of resilience and inability to deal with life's traumas. It's, it's like he's having a mental breakdown. He's having a panic attack. And his fear is so bad that he can't even speak properly anymore. As he says in verse 15, his mouth is dried up like a potsherd and his tongue sticks to the roof of his mouth. And he's ready for death. Uh, A potsherd is a piece of broken pottery that doesn't have a lot of use. And that's what David's mouth feels like to him right now. What a way to describe how defeated you feel. Fear can do this to us, can't it? Like we can't do anything. It grips us, makes us speechless. It makes us unable to deal with most things that we normally can deal with or have dealt with before. It's not like David hadn't fought strong enemies before. David defeated Goliath before he was crowned as king. And these enemies, they amplify the fear that David feels. But interestingly, uh, interestingly enough, sorry, they give us a direction to which we can understand today's passage, verses 16 to 18. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So these cruel enemies of David have wasted away his flesh so badly that he has this sort of withered and sunken appearance, like he's been severely starved. He hasn't eaten for a long time. And they cast lots for his garment, the last possession that he has. But there's another thing they do that's rather eye-catching. They pierce David's hands and feet. Sound familiar? It sounds like crucifixion, doesn't it? In the ancient world, uh, this is known to be rather odd because crucifixion wasn't practiced at this point in time at all. And as bleak as things look for David, even he can't completely resonate with his own words here. There are no writings that suggest that David went through something like crucifixion. So someone else in view. This is why the gospel writers, when they wrote the account of Jesus' death, spoke about Psalm 22. Because Jesus was the person 
to properly fit the description of this traumatic event. Now, more on this later, I'll come back to it. But just like how uh, Jesus felt, like David felt, there was such intense fear even for them. Even for them, fear did things to their state of mind. Fear made David feel like God wasn't there to help him. Fear made him speechless, like his body wouldn't function properly. Uh, it reminds me of this time in 2015 when I was told that I had a tumor behind my left eye. Um, I remember going to see the doctor in the hospital. Uh, sitting in the, ra in the waiting room, I was an absolutely nervous wreck. Um, I already shake my legs normally, but I could have caused an earthquake with the amount I shook mine. I was that nervous. When I got my diagnosis, I didn't know what to say. I could barely move. You know that faint screeching sound you hear when you zone out? Uh, after, uh, that's what I heard um, after my diagnosis. And being perfectly honest as well, my doctors didn't help um, all that much because they had this deadpan expression. I was so afraid, so afraid that instinct took over for me and I had no idea how to respond. Is this something you resonate with? You might not have experienced something like this per se, but it's something you'll probably have to go through somewhere down the track. Now, all of us might need something different uh, to actually scare us. Some are tougher when it comes to fear than others, but I think we all agree that fear, when it does happen to us, it does things to us. It's like fear grabs us and shakes us, causing us to lose joy, to lose hope, and sometimes lose hope even in God. We, we kind of need to be prepared for that to happen to us. Fear and suffering are things that are a reality that all of us will face. We'll all respo respond to suffering and fear in ways that might seem uncharacteristic for us. The suffering that David and our Lord Jesus went through was no doubt an intense ordeal. But how did David, the king who deeply trusted God, feel as if God had abandoned him? When Jesus was on the cross, even he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully human. It's actually why he can fully understand and appreciate our experiences in fear, in our suffering. And so let me finish this point by saying this. All humans will experience suffering and fear, and, you know, we'll all respond to it in somewhat similar ways. But where the, different, where the experience is different for Christians is how we end up moving from fear to trust and praise in God. We might all experience fear, and we might all feel as if things are hopeless. But as Christians, we have a God who's done so much to give us assurance despite our fear. 
But as we continue on to our next section, we get shown that it's still possible and important to be praising God even in our struggles. From David, we see fear and praise because even though there was such honestly expressed fear, David somehow has a different tone because he says, yet, in verses 3 to 5. Let me read that out. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. David, he says, even though everything I said before is true, the next bit is true as well. You are enthroned as the Holy One. There's tension in David's words. What he said earlier uh, in verses 1 and 2 are the words of a man who's lost hope because God is far away. And now he's, he's praising God as the Holy One here. He's praised God as a loyal God, someone that Israel trusted. When was the last time you were able to say, God, even though my health is struggling, even though money is getting really tight, even though I feel unbearable loneliness, you are the Holy One. When was the last time you were able to do that? But that's not all. David doesn't just show us that we can praise God even when we're struggling. But he goes on to think about how great it was that God gave him life. Verses 9 to 10. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. From the time he was born, Yahweh has been the God that David served. He knows that God has sustained his life. And so David knows that God has a purpose for his life. Because God's shown David his love from birth. So, knowing this, David knows that God won't leave his child alone now that he's in trouble and desperately needs his help, asking God not to abandon him. What another great example we have here from King David. Leads me to ask you this. In your desperate and most difficult times, how do you go with remembering how God loved and sustained you? I have to say, I can't, I can't do this very well myself. But to David, he wanted to praise God after he was being mocked for trusting in him. And then again, we see in verses 19 to 21, David wants God to not abandon him, to instead rescue him. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. David clearly thinks that he'll be better off if God doesn't abandon him. His hope is in the rescue that God will provide from these enemies, 
the dogs, the lions, and the oxen, who before robbed him of his will to live. But God gives him that desire, that will to live again. And he goes on in verses 22 to 24 to praise God and encourage others to praise God, praise the God that will never completely hide his face from his children. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Guys, God will not forsake you. He won't abandon you. If you truly belong to God, you will always be his. Even when everything feels lost and hopeless, you are always his. And that is reason to keep worshipping him, even when it's so hard to. A person that taught me a lot about worshipping and trusting God, even when life is hard, uh, was a person I used to work with at the University of Queensland when I was with the, the group on campus. Her name's Kim. Kim gave me uh, permission to talk about her situation, and it's, it's really quite remarkable because just over six years ago, Kim was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And she's often mentioned that's meant a lot of uncertainty for her. Uh, whether she'd be feeling good and healthy one day or the next day, whether her health would take a turn for the worst. Uh, Kim has a Facebook group where she talks about her health. And thankfully, lately, it's been nothing but good news. But by saying that, we know that it hasn't always been that way. When I was with ES, uh, she explained how rough chemotherapy was on her, and that after chemo sessions, she'd need a day, maybe more, to recover. Uh, if you've met Kim, you'll know that she's hugely energetic, with so much joy coming from her, and by far one of the most infectious and hilarious laughs around, too. And she exemplifies this idea of fear and praise so well. Because despite the fear she has of what's going to happen to her, she has this immense and unshakable trust in Christ. It's people like Kim who show us that we can deeply praise God even when life throws massive curveballs at us. And what we see from people like him and the way David uh, speaks about God despite his anguish is that trusting God in the midst of our struggles shows our worship to him. Think about what David said in verses 1 to 2 in the beginning of the psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God... I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. I feel anguish because I am far from you, said David. He knew that one reason he felt uh, anguish was because God felt really far away. 
He wanted God to be there so that the anguish would go away. David cried out, and because of that, he found no rest. And so as he shows us, uh, God would be the one that could help him in what he was going through. Maybe not in changing the circumstances or outcome. David probably knew what was going to happen was inevitable. But it was really clear that despite whatever danger he was in, David needed God. And so we have this example from David. So when the going gets tough, when you're sad, when you're struggling with self-worth, when you're scared about your health, your finances, your relationships, worship your God by trusting in Him. King David obviously felt compelled to do it, but do we? And I ask this question of whether we trust God like David did because of where this psalm ends up. Uh, This psalm is well known because Jesus quotes it in the Gospels when he's dying on the cross. Uh, The different Gospels use different parts of this psalm. But what's really key for us today are two things. Firstly, how Jesus uses uses this psalm. And secondly, what his journey to the cross means for us when we struggle with fear and anguish. See, Jesus knew this psalm. He took it on himself. He identified with it and identified with our suffering because he took on the cross our agony and suffering. See, Jesus came into this world to fulfill this passage, other parts of the Bible that spoke about the suffering of someone. And this person would come and help light the path of salvation for everyone. Think of passages like Matthew 26, verse 39. Going a little farther, uh, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, Uh, about to do what he came into this world to do, to be tried and crucified, but it was still so hard for him. Jesus didn't come into this world unaware of what was going to happen to him. He knew. Today's psalm and passages like Matthew 26 speak about the suffering of someone, Jesus but he would provide a way of salvation at great cost to himself by dying alone, rejected, and abandoned. If dying that way doesn't stir up fear in a person, I don't know what could. As crazy as all of that sounds, Jesus did understand our suffering. He made it his own as he was dying on the cross. Not only does he take on the psalm, but he, he understands everything, the fear, the anguish, and the resolution. The resolution being that Jesus had to die on the cross to provide a way of salvation as he conquered death through his resurrection. But it's not only that Jesus conquered death, which means that we ultimately don't need to fear what death will do to us when we all live and then die but rather, despite our experiences with 
suffering, anguish, fear, affliction. We can all know that God gives us a guarantee on our future. And so we can continue to worship God despite these things. If you're going through some serious hardship right now, or, you know, maybe not yet, but when you do, I just wanted to speak to you about this now. Look to David as he gives us the words, but also turn to Jesus as he shows us what trusting in God in his experiences are like. Jesus has been through it all before, so keep going back to him in your worship of God. It's why I brought up my former colleague, Kim, who so vividly knows what suffering means and how, um, and knows how sudden and close death could be. Because she has such a firm trust in Jesus' work, his work that secures our salvation, that she knows what she, that she can continue to worship God and not feel like he's abandoned her. We might fear a lot of things in this world, violence, danger, rejection, disease, but ultimately, we don't need to fear where death takes us if Jesus is our advocate. We can instead have confidence and trust in God. So when we talk about our fears and struggles, are you consumed and feel like all is lost the same way David initially did in today's psalm? Or do you look to Jesus and have unwavering confidence in what he's done on the cross? Because as we see and think about the realities of our broken world, we know that problems like fear, anguish, agony, torment, distress, pain, every synonym you could think of, these should lead us to prayer. And in prayer, my encouragement to you is to remember and reflect on God's promises that he gave, both those that have already been fulfilled, like the promises in Jesus, and those that will be fulfilled later on. It's then that after we remember the promises of God, that we praise him, that we trust him. And because of that, we can face our daily problems with grace and faith. Friends, it's, it's inevitable that grief, fear, anguish, and sadness and the like will happen in our lives. But it doesn't mean that God's forsaken or abandoned us. God hears our anguish. He hears our pain. He hears our suffering. We can express all of that to him. We can look to the same God that David does and can likewise worship and praise him in our anguish. But we actually have an even better example. Jesus, who entrusted himself to God through his anguish and triumphs over that anguish. In Christ, sin and death have been defeated, and so we should know that we'll triumph as followers of Jesus ourselves. So, we don't need to minimize or ignore our pain or anguish, but look to Christ and what He endured and find reason to praise God in any circumstance, no matter how difficult. 
So let me ask you, when things go sideways, do we try to minimize or run away from our pain? Or do we instead turn to Jesus? Do we try to bottle things up, lashing out after a while? Or do we turn to Christ? My encouragement is to turn to Jesus as he shows us what it means to trust God during our struggles and continue in faith. Let me pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word today that reminds us of how we react and think whenever life's many problems impact us. As we look to Psalms like today, uh, we're reminded of the words that it gives to us in our times of need. And so we ask that we turn to the example of David who cast his anxieties on you. Help us to see how David trusted you and in turn, trust you ourselves. Thank you, thank you that you are a God who always holds onto his children. Thank you for always listening to us and never abandoning us. Living in this world is, is so difficult, and so we ask you for your help to trust in your promises and look to your character and the work that you've already done in your son. Thank you also for the cross and the eternal security we have because of it. As we grow in our trust of you, please help us to be able to face these problems with faith as we worship you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, Willis, for that sermon. How great is it that we have a God that we can turn to and lift up our problems to? Uh, when, whenever things are very hard, um, isn't it great that we have a God that doesn't change yesterday, today, or tomorrow? Um, now we just have a time of reflection.